1: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here, and we are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We have a very exciting show today because my friend Paul Riley, who is uh, well, I'll tell you about him in a moment, but the short version is an amazing author, a fantastic guy on how to sell with value, which is all about the experience. And not only that, I've known him and his family, including his father, who was in this business until he retired. Gosh, since as long as I've been doing what I've been doing. So there's a lot of sentimentality about this episode. So a few quick things before we get into the interview. And you know these things if you've listened to the show before. If you've got an amazing customer service story that you'd like to share Or you have a question that you'd like me to answer, just contact me on any of the social media channels because I'm just about everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, I'm there. If it's a question, use the hashtag AskShep and I'll answer the questions you send in either uh, there on this show, in my newsletter, or in my television show, on my television show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Prime, C-Suite TV, and even YouTube. Just go to beamazing.tv. We always have great segments. As a matter of fact, Paul Riley is one of those excellent segments on Be Amazing or Go Home. So let's get into the interview. Paul, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here once again.
1: Man, you look great, you sound great. And let's talk a little bit about you. You have co-authored the fourth edition of Value Added Selling. And I remember when the first edition came out, how many years ago?
0: Oh, geez, that was probably 1986, 88. Were you even
1: born in 1980? I know you were, but you were just a little kid back then.
0: Oh, a little kid, barely barely walking at that point, but yeah.
1: Yep, and, and uh, your father, my friend, Tom Riley, Wrote this book, loved it, and I've used references to it throughout the years. You came out with a new version of it, 2018. But what we're going to talk about today is your latest book, which is Selling Through Tough Times, which is coming out right about now. If you're listening to the show, go to Amazon.com, get it today, because here's what I love about this book. Even though, uh, and we're getting a little bit away from the typical customer service and experience world that we always talk about But I believe that when you sell with value and you create a good experience, and especially during tough times, and God knows we've had some pretty tough times over the last couple of years, um, I think that you are selling based on a lot of the experience and the value you bring beyond the product that you're actually selling. So let's take it from there. Um, How do customers define value in this current environment?
0: Yeah, Shep, great question. You know, One thing that we know is constant customers want value in the experience and and I tell my sales audiences hey the best selling tool you can have is a great customer experience and, and Shep you know this that the more um, the more you bring your customers back it's a result of just having a great experience that's driving people back and whether it's good times whether it's tough times customers still want value so you yes you know how how do they define value in different times and uncertain times like we're facing right now you know What we have found is that certainty and stability are important. And in your customer messaging, in the customer experience, customers want certainty, they want stability. And the reason why is simple. During uncertain times, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? And and hence the phrase, uncertain times. And during those moments of uncertainty, people tighten their grip on the status quo. They want something that's predictable. They want something that's going to work. They want something that's going to meet their expectations. And having certainty and stability throughout the experience is important. And, and also in your messaging. You know, you, you know there's some examples um, we highlight in the book. You know, the, you remember the old uh, Chevy commercials? This was back in the early 1990s, Like a Rock you when you were like when you were like six years old, yeah, I'm asking you if you remember, I remember you the probably song probably, "Like yeah. a
1: Rock." You know, yeah. I remember that song, and I remember that that was how effective that campaign was.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and the whole the whole uh, premise of that that ad was, "Hey, your Chevy truck is going to be like a rock. It's dependable, it's steady." And what's interesting about that campaign is not only how powerful it is; it's imprinted in our memory. But the timing of that, that ad was launched during the um, recession we had in the early 1990s. And what, what Chevy knows is that during those times of uncertainty, people crave stability. You know, they want to, and that's what Chevy was really emphasizing with that ad campaign. So it, it's clear customers want certainty. They want stability. You know, they also want to have um, a, a company and that has demonstrated that they're going to be around through the tough time. Longevity is also extremely important in that customer message, in in the experience. And, you know, when you think about what we're facing right now, uh, just how uncertain everything looks, the experience, right? The experience, if you can create a stable and predictable experience, it's going to keep your customers coming back.
1: Right. And if you've listened and read any of my material, what creates an amazing experience is the consistent and predictable above average experience. And that means you're a little bit above average all of the time. This is not a part-time thing. If you want to create the true value, if you want to be seen as solid as a rock, you've got to do what Paul is talking about right now. Certainty and stability, two great words consistency and predictability those are my words to describe certainty and instability we are in sync so um well great awesome awesome uh explanation of that can you give us a little insight to how that ties into the book i mean yeah. obviously this is the topic but give us a great example of this out of the book
0: you know when, one thing that that uh, gosh there was several great examples one that came to mind though um, to build on this idea of stability and and support also because support is absolutely critical during tough times. The, the brands that you connect with as a consumer, the companies you choose to partner with, you, you want that support, you expect that support. And one of the greatest examples came from the great recession. All right. That's the the last big tough time. I would say that we can compare. 2008, um, nine, yeah, t- sometime 2008, right around nine. there. Yep. Yeah. When, uh, Hyundai came up with the job loss protection plan, all right? So w- w- what's great about this example is, is Hyundai, um, they looked at their consumers and they, they found out people had money, all right? People had money to buy cars and they had motivation to buy cars, but what was holding them back was fear. People were fearful of going in and signing a two-year, three-year lease or signing a you know a, a three to five-year car loan and so Hyundai was the first automobile manufacturer to come up with the job loss protection plan. Oh, and my. Yeah. Okay. How, how it basically worked, it's simple, is mm-hmm. that during the Great Recession, right? if you sign a two- or three-year lease, and then you lose your job, you can bring the vehicle back to the dealership, and that's it. You get to walk away. And what that did is it showed the consumer, hey, we're here to support you. We know this is a tough time. We know there's a lot of uncertainty. We know that you're fearful. And what they did is they, they had a very tangible way to support their customers. And I, I want to say their market share nearly doubled during that time frame. So it, it shows you it pays to support your customers. It pays to be there for them.
1: Now, the big question I wonder, and, and um, maybe you know the answer to this, and it doesn't matter if you don't, I'm not putting you on the spot, but I wonder how many people... And when I say, use the words, took advantage of this offer, not took advantage of the company, but actually said, you know what? I lost my job. I'm going to go in and see if they really do what they say they're going to do. I wonder what the percentage of customers that actually did that. And and I'm sure there are people that truly took advantage of something oh, that it sure. would, and maybe fudged a little bit, but But no, I wonder um, if, because sometimes just having that security blanket, whether you need it or not is all that's needed to move you forward.
0: Yeah. Everyone likes that safety net. I mean, if I'm going to go walk a tightrope, I want a net right there. And just seeing it there, I'm probably less likely to fall. You know, you, you think about how these individuals could now purchase a new car that if they needed a car, it, it, think about the mindset and how that positive reaction positive experience maybe spilled over into other aspects of their life made them you know feel better made them produ- you know become right. more effective at their job. it could be a number of things but I, I do remember in the article where I read this um, then I think the number of people that actually did turn cars back in it, it was it was a much lower number than was anticipated you know I'm sure they had their risk people take a look at this the cost of benefit and all that and I think it was less than what they anticipated. It isn't that great, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and
1: I'm sure there are people that to use the words, take advantage, took advantage in a deceitful way, but I'm going to bet that Hyundai recognized that let's not punish, uh, good people for the sins of a few. Um, and that reminds me of, uh, years ago, I guitar center, one of my favorite stores to go to, you, you know, I play guitar and I have fun with that. Mm -hmm. got a bunch of guitars. And uh, I remember they had this system where you walked in and if you uh, were carrying a bag, a purse, uh, a piece of equipment in a case, you had to go check in, you had to open it up. You had to show everybody what was in there. So you walked out with the same thing. You didn't, because they were worried that somebody, if they walked in with a guitar (laughs) case with an old guitar would swap the guitar for a new one and just walk out. (laughs) So they spent, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but I believe this is accurate. It, It might be off, but the, the concepts there. They spent four million dollars a year on this security system throughout their stores, in order to save about two million dollars a year of deception.
0: <laughs> okay, wow. Now think about that.
1: So, in in the so, if they hadn't done anything, they would have lost two million. But instead, they decided to protect themselves, and it cost them four. And at the same time, irritated every customer that came in with a bag. <laughs> or oh something like that. So do you see, they they tainted the customer experience because of the sins of a few and they True. finally got smart. They realized what was happening to their credit. They reversed it and they said, hey, this isn't working. This didn't turn out quite the way we planned. Let's go backwards. And I'm glad they did. And they fixed it by just eliminating it. Anyway, that's part of what what drives a a customer experience. I love what you're talking about here. The book is titled Selling Through Tough Times. It is available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. We're going to take a short break and when we come back, we're going to ask Paul Riley a few more important questions about how you create that experience and create value that makes your customers want to come back. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, Chef Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll-be-back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking to my friend, Paul Riley, who is the author of Selling Through Tough Times. And we're talking about how that experience drives a, uh, the value that makes customers say, you know what, why would I want to do business with anyone else? And I actually believe it, it makes price less relevant especially in good times uh when when things seem to be booming uh but in bad times when customers are struggling whether they want to uh spend a little bit more money with the experience that they hope to have versus questioning if they spend a little less whether they're actually going to get it from a competitor i think it's more important than ever to create these experiences that drive value so uh paul I wrote a book a number of years ago called the amazement revolution. And in this book, we had a full section. on one of the seven strategies on creating partnership with your customers and what that looks like in the uh, consumer world. B2C is that customers trust the salesperson or trust the people they know at a store or in a company. And they choose to do business with them. Uh, a lot of it's driven by that relationship of feeling confident. And in the B2B world, well, the B2B world, it, it really is about creating, uh, going beyond a vendor relationship and creating a partnership. That's like a vendor relationship on steroids, where that company knows I would never want to have a different supplier, a vendor, whatever you want to call them, because these people have my back. They don't just sell me something. We're partners in this venture of making our company more successful. So let's talk a little bit about that,
0: because that's a piece of what's in your book. Absolutely. Um, that's one of the critical selling activities. Uh, we call it partnering, partner. And you know, what's interesting, Shep, in researching the book, I, I wanted to dive deeper into this word to partner, because I, I think sometimes in business, it's it's overused. I think sometimes even in, uh, you know, when, when we're as salespeople, when they're presenting to customers, they like to say, we like to partner, we like to do this, we partner from the very beginning. You know, I believe a true partnership can only happen after the sale takes place when they become a customer, because that's when you work together to help that customer achieve the common goal. So that's how we define a partnership. But what's interesting, the the other way we describe partner in selling through tough times is as a nautical term. All right. So old wooden ships, all right, they've got those large masts that hold the sail up and all that. And those masts will go through the floor of the ship. It turns out, all right in those old wooden ships, they have something that will hold the mast in place. Because as as it goes through the the flooring of the ship or the hall, whatever you would call it, when it's stormy out, when it's windy, the the mast would rip through the ship. But there's one thing that will keep the mast in place. And it's actually called a partner. (laughs) It's a a wooden support structure that holds the mast in place. And, And what a great analogy for tough times because during tough and uncertain times, you and your customer are going through it together, but if you can truly partner with your customer and, and be the partner in nautical terms for them, you are helping to keep their mast in place. And, and you think about it, the true strength of a, a partnership is when things are going bad, when things are uncertain, and those are the opportunities you have to build stronger relationships. And, you know, ship, you think about this even in our personal lives, but in business as well, when you go through tough and uncertain times with another person, whether it's in your in the business world or in your personal life, you have a deeper bond with them. So I, I believe uncertain times are one of the greatest opportunities to strengthen relationships with your customers, to be there for them, to support them, to go above and beyond. And in fact, with um, Shep, I was thinking of some examples of, of how this looks and what, what people can do, what companies can do. And there was one example that, that came up. One of my uh, clients, he, uh, he made a very lengthy post on LinkedIn. It was a great post. I hope it and wasn't this, political. No. Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, crazy to me how much political commentary I've seen on LinkedIn lately, which is just not the platform to do that. But um, it
1: polarizes your customer. You, oh, it, you, it you'll, certainly you'll create, does. You'll create more value for some and destroy it for others Absolutely. if you're not you're careful. Gonna,
0: you're going to lose half your, your audience that right there, you know, just by talking, talking politics. Yeah. But there was a, so this one seller, he uh, got onto to LinkedIn. This was right. I want to say early on in the pandemic and he sells a lot of uh, PPE, you know, he was already selling PPE material before the pandemic.
1: And for those that don't know, PPE are like the rubber gloves and the masks mm-hmm. and, and okay. the uh, accessories you would need to protect yourself. Absolutely it's called not. personal protection
0: equipment. Is that right? Equi- PPE. That is. Yeah. Personal protective equipment. Yeah. There we go. Um, and what happened is, his phone was ringing off the hook from all of these big c- customers, right? Who told him three months earlier, "Hey, your price is too high," and now these same customers that told him, or same prospects, I guess, because they weren't actual customers, that told him his price was too high. Um, they were begging to buy this PPE and they were willing to pay significantly more than what he already had contracted with his existing customers. And he goes on to say in this post that it it was the easiest decision in my life to continue to support our existing customers. He goes, We'll do what we can to make sure they have the product when they need it. The everyone else, hey, I'm going to do what I can to help you, but I'm not going to jeopardize helping out our existing customers. And he, you know, I I didn't phrase it exactly how he said it, but he was basically saying, we're going to take care of our customers first and everyone else, we're going to do what we can to help you. But those customers that have entrusted us with their business, in some cases, we are going to help them. We are going to be there and we're going to support them first.
1: Yeah, they didn't try to, um, uh, these existing customers were focused on a relationship, making price a little less relevant. Where others might say your price is too high, they were focusing on their purchasing based on price. Kind of dangerous to do. Um, I'm working right now with a software company, and I'm actually trying to get off their platform. I have about maybe eight months left in my license with them. Uh, I've been with them for seven years. I found a solution that was better, and I called them and I said, "Hey, um, I need to get out of the contract uh, in this respect. I'm willing to pay, uh, you know, whatever the difference was between the monthly." Regular fee versus my annual lower fee, I'm willing to pay an exit fee if necessary. Uh, but I, I'm going to tell you why I'm leaving you, and it has nothing to do with you. As a matter of fact, I had just recommended them to somebody else that day, but I said I actually found a solution that's better for me in a number of ways, and I gave them the outline. the The salesperson, salesperson dug their heels and said, "We can't lose you. We can't lose you. Okay, and we're not going to. We're not going to let you out of the agreement." you're stuck here. So I said, you really want me to be here for another seven or eight months unhappy? I mean, I'll do that. Or I'll just walk away and know that you probably should have been nicer to me given that I've been so loyal to you. So what I did is I actually emailed through LinkedIn messaged the CEO of the company. And he responded within 24 hours and said, we are so sorry. We're going to leave you. I would like to do two things. Number one, I would like you to get back on with our salesperson and support people and see if what we offer, you're not taking advantage of because we believe that our solution is better than what you're looking at. If you'll give me that shot and we still don't get it and you'll walk me through why, I'll let you out of the contract. There you How go. fair is that?
0: That's perfect. Do I mean, think, what else could you hope for?
1: Right. Well, well what, I guess the easy thing would, have, okay, let them go. But mm-hmm. I like the way, the, the CEO says, I want to keep you. And if truly we can't keep you, we'll let you go. You know, But he wanted that shot. And guess what? They're getting that shot tomorrow, uh, or maybe actually later today. It's actually later today, this <laughs> afternoon, uh, I have a meeting with the salespeople and their support people. They're going to take a look at my system to see if it'll do what I need it to do that the other company says they can do. So anyway, I, I digress. I'm talking too much. This is your interview. So let's uh start to wrap up here. What are the tactics that come out of the book that companies can use to support a better customer experience given all that you're talking about right now?
0: Yeah, you know, during um during tough times, uncertain times, it's it's a great opportunity to go back and figure out ways to enhance your overall experience, what you can do to improve. And so There are a list of questions that I would that I would give service and sales professionals to ask existing customers. These are simple questions that can create powerful results. Um, First question is, what's missing from our current solution? Think about the the power of that question, whether it's in a retail setting, whether it's in a call center. If imagine if you just got on the phone to call your existing customers and say, you know what, Shep is a valued customer. We want to make sure that we are meeting your expectations. What's missing from our current solution? And so many companies will avoid that question because they don't want the answer. You know, you, you've heard the expression, don't wake a sleeping dog. You, you know, if your customer's upset. Oh, we don't want to know about it. But the more you know about it, the better overall experience you can create. I remember one uh, company we did some work with, I encouraged their, their call center team to ask the question, what's missing? And they came up with some very simple, easy fixes to enhance the overall experience one group, they had several customers say, you know what really bothers me about the orders when we place them? We've got to call back in to get tracking information on those orders. And so they heard several complaints and and someone said, well, why don't we just partner with our our third-party logistics company or 3PL and figure out a way to automate this process? And that's what they came up with, an easy solution that didn't, I don't think, cost them anything to, to create. And it automated it. It created a better experience, not only for the Customers who complained, but for the ones who didn't complain, I remember reading a McKinsey study several years ago, and I think they they said, and maybe you can verify this, uh, that about one only about one out of every thirty three customers will actually complain. Yeah, so actually,
1: if, you... if that's the number, it's gone up a little bit, and I'm okay. glad it has because uh, customers today they don't complain; they just walk when given yeah. the opportunity. So the next time they have to buy whatever it is you're buying, and that's the bummer. And here's the problem. They're satisfied customers and satisfactory is a rating. It's not an emotion. And uh, on a scale of one to five, where one is lousy and five is amazing. Three is satisfactory or average. People don't complain when it's average. I love your question. What's missing. We always encourage them to ask the one thing question. What one thing can you think of that would make the experience better? And By the way, what's missing? If you asked every customer what's missing and everybody came up with the same thing, guess what, my friends? (laughs) Hello, McFly, is anybody home? (laughs) Fix it. And and furthermore, we do this exercise where we ask our our audience members, and and I don't, it's with their workshops. We have our trainers actually doing it. Um, List out all the complaints and problems you hear about. How often do you hear about them? And it drives me crazy when somebody says, oh, we get this every day. And I'm going, why? You know, well, what's your suggestion? Stop it. Just stop it. Okay. What do you mean stop it? If they're complaining every day about it, figure out a way that fixes it so they won't complain. And Paul, what you suggested with your example in fixing like the tracking issue where customers were asking what's missing, you know, not only did it fix it for the customers who complain and it made it better for the customers who didn't, but it also made it better for the employees who didn't have to answer the question every time a customer called. So it worked Absolutely. like at every level.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That, and think about, you know, worst case scenario, you get an influx of calls trying to get tracking information, which puts your other customers exactly. on hold who have critical issues.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, we are down to the final question. And uh, it's always the same one for everybody. I call it the one thing question. What's the last one thing you want this audience to remember? It could be a, an extra nugget about the book. It could be something you want to emphasize. What's that one last
0: idea you want to share today? Oh, what a, what a great, great way to end the show. You know, there's a question I want everyone to think about, every every listener. And that question is, what else can I do for the customer? All right, what else can I do for the customer? And it, that's a very simple question. But Shep, imagine every person in an organization asking themselves, what else can I do for the customer? How could I enhance the experience a little bit? How could I make it a little bit better or a little bit easier for them? What else can I do for the customer? Simple Bam, question. bingo,
1: bang, perfect ending. Paul Riley, my friend and the author of Selling Through Tough Times, get it today. Paul, this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. You are amazing. And thanks for being on the show.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Shep.
1: All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode next week, we'll be back with another amazing interview. So until that time, this is Chef Hyken, reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.